Thanks for tuning in to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast, Safe Talk, with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. What is happening, gang? We are back and ready to lock in for another episode of Safe Talk. This is Billy Floyd, and of course, we wouldn't have a show without Jenny Hunter, so now... (laughs) I will welcome Jenny. What's going on, Jenny? Oh, Billy, I'm just waiting to talk to you. I love our talks, and I love that we can help people and use our combined life experiences because we have uh, we have different likes and different experiences, and we get to share those with people. And I I just love it. I love your perspective on things and my perspective. And let's just get to it. I could go on forever. (laughs) Game, recognize game. Jenny, you know game and you see game, and that's why you attract all the right games. So like you said, let's just get right into it. Let's get after it on this episode. This is episode Mm -hmm. six of season three. Locked and loaded 100%, and you already know the vibes. We want to say before we get into any of the actual context today that we want you to be a part of this conversation in any possible way. So if you have any questions, if you have any comments based on anything you've heard in this show or anything that you see us post on social media, please feel free to reach out to us at any time. You can reach out to me directly on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, any social media platform pretty much under the handle at one Billy Floyd. And you can also shoot me an email at William period Floyd 214 at gmail.com. So feel free to connect with me at any time that you would like. I will be happy to get back to you and spark up a conversation. Jenny, where can everybody find you? Well, Billy, we are almost everywhere on social media. I say almost because there's a few places I don't believe we are. But look for JR's Hunt for Life. That's the name of our nonprofit. We're Suicide Prevention and Awareness. And the name of this program is Safe Talk under the nonprofit JR's Hunt for Life. So um, look for us everywhere, JR's Hunt for Life. Also, my personal email. Is JLH35 at hotmail.com or at iCloud.com. Also, my phone number, 307 259 6032. I try to be available whenever my phone rings or I receive a text or a message or one of my admins are available on our Facebook page. So you can find us anywhere. Between the two of us, Billy, we can be found. (laughs) You know it, Jenny. We are all over the place, and you cannot miss us. So Mm -hmm. with that being said, it is time to hit this one hard. Hit it home because this is going to be the last episode when it comes to the topic of the 12 things parents can do to help prevent suicide. So we've covered a lot, Jenny. You've done a lot of great detailing for us. I believe we have talked about 
9 of the 12, so that will leave us with 10, mm -hmm. 11, and 12. So I believe we're going to hammer home these last yep. three for this topic right here. Jenny, take it away in any way that you would like. We can start with 10. You can go over a couple from the past. However you want to splice it up, let's do it. All right. Well, Billy, I'm going to start by briefly going through one through nine. I'm going to read them off quickly. If you see signs that your child's mental health is under threat, tune in. Very important. Number two, listen, even when your child is not talking. Number three, realize your child might be facing suicide risk you have not considered yet. Number four, Try not to dismiss what you're seeing as teenage drama. Number five, respond with empathy and understanding. Number six, get professional help right away. Number seven, remove or secure guns you have at home. Do the same with other lethal tools and substances. Eight, as your child enters any type of treatment at home, in facility, whatever it may be, Focus on creating hope. That is key. Number nine, encourage them to see family and friends. Number 10 for tonight, we start with suggest exercise. And oh boy, Billy, this is your genre. So I'm going to talk a little bit about it and we're going to defer to you also. So I'm going to say that um, physical activity inside, outside, play therapy, uh, anything that causes some type of physical movement will cause release of endorphins. And we know how important that is, that these substances are released in the brain and your body, and they help manage stress. They help manage pain. They even us out. They balance us out. They will elevate your teen's mood or your child's mood by um, their production. And how do we produce them? Physical exercise. So I'm going to say, you know, you can offer all kinds of things to do. Um, I myself, when when the weather is right, I like to be outside. I know uh, a lot of kids like to be inside, playing games on the computer or whatever they do. But encourage outside activities. Um, there's also activities that are indoors. Um, we have a business here called Dump Craze, and that has all kinds of trampolines and big, huge, puffed-up landing pads, and kids jump and roll, and I mean, it's just crazy in there, but they get a huge amount of activity in there, and there's all kinds of birthday parties and family parties and all kinds of stuff at jump parades. So if you have something like that in your uh, vicinity, I would encourage that too. It gets your child and yourself actually moving and getting those endorphins moving throughout your body. Now, um, you can encourage all of the outdoor stuff. There's there's activities year-round that you can do outside. We're, we're moving up on winter, so there's skiing and there's um, sledding and snowshoeing and all that kind of stuff that you can encourage to do outside. Um, you can also encourage um, your children to animal therapy. 
You can do that outside. You can take your kids to see horses or farm animals, to volunteer even, to take care of those animals. Um, we have places here where there's dogs and cats, and you can go sign up to walk the dogs outside and just, you know, take care of the dogs that don't have owners. You, you, just, you just become friends with them. And I know animals also are very helpful in a recovery process, and they, they seem to have this unusual ability in humans to calm us down and to be very therapeutic. At least that's what I've noticed about most animals and most people that are dealing with animal therapy, that it's so, it's just, it just, I can just see it the minute people are around animals. Now, how about hiking, um, nature hiking, um, anywhere. You can hike by a river, in the country, up a mountain. I mean, you can walk or hike anywhere that you are. Actually, I do that. We go for drives around the state, and I'll get out and just walk. I'll just walk in the fields. I mean, you never know what you're going to see. So it's also kind of a exploration because you might see something that you obviously would not see in the city um, and, and or a gym workout, gymnasium, lifting weights, playing basketball. And here I go. I'm going to defer to you, Billy. What do you think about exercise therapy? I have been through a lot in my life. I think we can all say that about ourselves. We've all been through some crazy wild times. And everybody's different. Everybody deals with things in their own unique way. But for me personally, out of anything I've ever done, nothing has helped me get my mind right better than physical fitness, working out, movement, weight training, sports, activity. A great saying that I talk about all the time is action alleviates anxiety. And when it comes to our mental state, when it comes to how we feel about ourselves and our mental health, the greatest way I think you can possibly take care of your mental health is by taking care of your physical health. Now, I'm not saying that, oh, a six-pack or really nice arms or really defined legs. I'm not saying those physical attributes are going to make you happy. Yes, you'll like the way you look, and you'll be really pumped that you look strong, you look fit, you look however you want to look. That's great. But I'm not saying, like, oh, we got to work out so we can attain a look that will clear us of our misery. It's not about the look at all. The look look is simply a byproduct of what you gain through actually partaking in physical activity and weight training and movement. And that number one thing is you're just going to feel like a monster. You're going to feel like an absolute dog. You're going to feel so good about yourself. And I really think that weight training and physicality and fitness – It's really the gateway to greatness because if you can tap into going to the gym, running, biking, swimming, basketball, whatever you like to do for activity, if you can tap into it, 
and you keep showing up every week, then you start showing up every day, then you stack the days, now you've been to the gym almost every day in the month, now you've been there consistently for two months, three months, four months, five months, by month six, then you're at a year, in month 12, whatever, you're going to eventually see a lot of progress when it comes to your performance, your strength, your numbers, and of course, the way that you look. And once you commit to that process and you go to the gym and you go work out consistently for days and weeks and months, you start to realize, whoa, okay, look at the progress I've made. I'm much stronger. I look a lot better. I feel more confident. I feel like an athlete. I feel like I'm in shape. I feel and look incredible. If I apply these principles to creating that business or that platform or having relationships that I want, if I can use this strategy of, oh, I go to the gym and I work like this and now I look like this and feel like this, what if I use that mentality and use that work ethic for other things in my life that I really care about? Then you start to realize, whoa, I can I can do this for business. I can do this with relationships. I can do this for my social media platform. I can do this with whatever you want to do. That's obviously a long, extensive version of why physical fitness is very helpful and very healthy for you more than just your looks. But all I'm saying is, that is the best way to get on track because there's been so many times, Jenny, when I just didn't feel good about where I was and what I was doing and I was lost and I was confused and I would doubt myself and I would fear about the future and I would try to make things happen and nothing would work out and I would lose myself and I wouldn't feel like myself. I feel like everybody goes through these times and I definitely go Mm -hmm. through them as well. And Mm -hmm. no matter what, when you have the gym or I, I I use the gym as my example because I love weight training and I also love running. I love running. I love weight training and I love playing basketball. I pretty much love anything physical, but I always talk about, you know, the gym or running or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So anytime I was going through those rough chapters in my life, I knew that I always had something. Even when I felt lost and I was working towards something, I couldn't figure it out. I'm trying my hardest. The gym and working out let me realize, okay, if everything in your life is messed up and you can't get a grip and nothing's working, nothing's happening, everything is a disaster, you're lost as hell, at least you still have this grind that you're committed to, which is the gym. And you're working Mm -hmm. on your muscles, your strength, your performance, your ability to be an athlete, and you're just staying ready for any type of athletic game or situation that could pop up. The gym has in so many ways saved me from really tough situations because when I couldn't figure things out, I could always at least show up to the gym. I could get after it. And every time I've worked out, besides when I was injured and forced to work out just because I'm obsessed with this and I have to work out, besides (laughs) those times, which is really not too common because I'm pretty smart about my body and how I handle this stuff, but I've never gone to the gym with my body feeling good and my mind feeling all right. 
I've never regretted it. I've never walked out of there like, oh, that was bad. Why did I do that? Every time I work out, every time I get after it, I walk away from that gym or that setting and I say to myself, wow, I am so glad that I did that. Because that gym session, it builds momentum. Because when you're working out, you're looking at yourself in the mirror, you're flexing a little bit, you're getting a nice pump, you're feeling confident, you're feeling strong. You you do your thing for an hour, for two hours, whatever, and then you walk out of there and it's like, you know what? I'm really I'm really feeling good. I feel like a beast. I feel strong. Maybe I can start something else. Maybe I can ride this momentum. Maybe I can go create something. Maybe I can go do something really crazy. Maybe I can do something special. And that has just been the case for me so many different times. And I think the hardest thing is people don't know where to start. It's very scary to walk into a gym. It's very scary to go for a run outside somewhere. It's scary to begin a fitness journey. But all I need to say is there's been countless times where the gym has came in the clutch, working out has came in the clutch when I needed it the most. So if you're listening and you need help figuring out what kind of routine to get into, how do you start, where do you start, what movements can I do, where can I go for what, please feel free, like I said in the beginning, to reach out to me at any time because there's so many situations and I've seen them firsthand where people are lost, I've been lost, I've known friends who have been lost, and the only thing that really kept me and them grounded was the fact that we have a mission to accomplish when we go work out because we're working on our physical, and that then leads us to us working on our mental, and then when we have our physical and mental in check, we are very, very susceptible to making the right moves in our personal life so we can take our businesses, our relationships, our work environments, our everything to the next level. I'm sure that was pretty clear for you, huh, Jenny? (laughs) It definitely was. And I appreciate everything that you said because I, I too am like that. And I, my entire life have worked out in some form or fashion and it has been a daily thing what uh, I'm going through in my life, I just, I have to do that walk outside, that climb, that gym, that whatever it is, I have to get that movement in. And I think it's because my brain wants that serotonin, that, that serotonin release, that that endorphin release. It want, My brain wants to feel better, whatever I'm going through. And that that is what keeps us uh, mentally healthy. So one key thing when you're dealing with your children is ask them what they would like to do. Ask them what kind of movement they would like to do. Maybe they want to do basketball. Maybe they want to wrestle. Maybe they want to play football. Maybe, you know, all kinds of things. And if they can't come up with something, then start something yourself. Get them outside. Walk around the block. Walk around the block seven days a week and then start, you know, at another block. But get them going on a consistent basis because, like you said, the more you move, the your body gets better because your brain gets better. And when your brain gets better, then you're not susceptible to the um, damaging thoughts and depressions and things like this. So when you elevate your children's moods and yourself, um, 
by um, stimulating the production of these of these endorphins, etc., then you're balancing yourself. And I know you're big on that too. You're balancing yourself. Um, you're supporting yourself. You're supporting your, and they call it a brain-body connection. And that leads to positive moods and better sleep and all kinds of things. And in this report I'm reading, it says that experts recommend movement or working out 30 to 40 minutes two to five times per week. And any any kind of movement is good, any kind. And what matters most is that your child enjoys it and feels motivated to do it on a regular basis, like you said, because if you do it regularly, when those depression times hit or those, those times that aren't so uh, desirable hit, they will turn to something healthy like that exercise. And that is so, so, so important. If you so, can... If you can be that role model and help your kids or help your people down the right path when it comes to fitness, you're going to be the catalyst and you're going to be the hero that they've needed because it's really hard for some people who are down bad to make that change to go to the gym or to find their game or their activity that they love. So if you can be that person to suggest, hey, you know, you know what do you what do you like to do? What, what do you like to do for movement? I, I, let's, I'm here for you. Let's go to the gym. Let's go kick the soccer ball. Let's go outside and go for a walk. Everybody can go for a walk, and walking is such a beautiful experience. So much fun. Mm-hmm. You can go yeah. out in the trails. Go out in the woods. Go to the lake. If you live by water, go to a beach. Go to a park. Go to a local neighborhood. I mean, there's so many different options. If you have mm-hmm. a bike, you know, how many kids have a bike? So many kids have bikes. Get on the bike and go for a little ride. So yeah. many different options. So many different avenues. So help people find what they love when it comes to working out. Try different movements. Try different activities. And you'll eventually find the one that clicks. And you'll enjoy it. You'll love it. And it'll help you get to that next level mentally. So with that being said, we're going to get to the next level of this episode. But before we do that, we are going to go to a quick commercial break. We're going to get a word in with our local sponsors, and then we will continue on with this episode. We'll be right back. On Safe Talk, it's Billy Floyd, it's Jenny Hunter. We are wrapping up our discussion when it comes to 12 things parents can do to help prevent suicide. We have two more to discuss, Jenny. We just had a great conversation about exercise and physical health. Great, great, great discussion. Mm -hmm. Now we have two more to get to. We're running into the second half or so of our episode, so we might finish these last two right now. We might only do one more. 
I'm excited to see what happens. I'm on the edge of my seat with my popcorn ready. Who knows what will go down, but I know we will get into a number 11 probably right about now. Yes. So number 11 is encourage balance and moderation. And, you know, that goes for every human being. Um, And as adults, um, we try to live a balanced life and be uh, live a moderated life. And I know I have issues with some things sometimes as far as balancing and moderation, but we are going to encourage that with our children, especially with children that are in crisis because they have gotten out of balance and they usually are not um, living in moderation in their little lives. And so, um, we encourage our children to um, be gentle with themselves. Go easy on themselves. Don't be so hard on themselves. Don't don't think they have to get straight A's. Don't think because they got an F they're going to be grounded for life. You know they're they are jumping to conclusions. They're hard on themselves, um, and this this does not accomplish anything healthy. So. When you as a parent uh, encourage them to be a real be realistic, uh, take a slower pace, be moderate, be in balance. Um, this says avoid experiences that are overwhelming. And that is so hard to do because as an adult, as a person myself, I often get overwhelmed and I have to step back. First of all, I have to recognize that I'm becoming overwhelmed. Uh, I'm getting too busy. I'm out of balance. I'm I'm doing too much of this and not enough of that. Uh, I'm not taking something in moderation. I've gone way overboard. And I do have a tendency to do that um, because I myself am a helper. And I take on a whole lot because I feel like if I don't help this this person at this time, then something something bad may happen. So I've got to do this and I've got to do that. So I have to myself learn balance and moderation. And as an adult, you have to do that and then teach and guide your children gently to uh, try to attain that balance and moderation in their little lives. And so one of those things, and I thought to myself, what gets out of balance with kids? What, what? And this is going to sound funny, but nutrition. Nutrition gets way out of whack with children as well as adults because of the junk food. The availability of junk food in our country is so easy. And that is as parents, we're in a rush. We'll go get the junk food for dinner, breakfast, whatever. And that junk food does not add one iota of nutrition in their bodies. Well, maybe an iota, but not much at all. So they get out of whack with their eating. And then their body gets out of whack because it's not getting that nutrition they need in their little bodies to grow and be healthy. And we see that so much in the United States that junk food, um, causes overweight and uh, an unhealthy brain and all types of things. So balance and moderation as far as everything in your life. And I think that 
uh, if you live it, then you can help your children. They will they will learn by example, and that's that's mostly how people learn is by example. So be in balance. Work on that yourself. Um, lead a, a life of moderation. Um, don't overdrink alcohol. Don't go out too much. Don't you know sleep in the bedroom too much. Get up. Get your body moving. Do things. And I know you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with protecting people from suicide? Well, you know, you have to get your brain healthy. And these things will get your brain healthy. Your The exercise, the doing things with families and friends, the creating hope for your children, encouraging balance and moderation in your life and their life. So reassure your children also that self-care, which is self-care and balance and moderation, is never a sign of weakness. Everything we do in our life are affected by our health. So giving us and our children time to heal is so, so, so important. It is a priority. Um, Teaching them to do things in moderation, to maybe clean out one drawer at a time in their bedroom, divide the tasks into smaller tasks, make them manageable, make their lives manageable. Uh, And as they can accomplish things, um, maybe it may take a longer time, but they can get it done if they divide it and do it um, in smaller tasks then um, they'll feel ready to take on another task and to do more. Uh, And so, Billy, I want to move on to 12, but what do you have to say about encouraging balance and moderation? I think when it comes to encouraging balance and moderation, it's all about making sure that people are doing everything that they want to do. And when I say everything they want to do, I also mean everything that is required and everything that needs to get done. When it comes to finding that moderation, it's understanding, all right, well, I want to have positive relationships, so I need to nurture my relationships. So I need to talk to my friends, give love, ask questions, be there for them, support them, and be a supportive, loving friend, brother, sister, whatever. Also, I need to work on my physical health. So that's figuring out the right opportunities to get moving, get active, go to the gym, whatever you want to do. You might have schoolwork. You might have to work on your studies or you have work and you have to go to a job and you have to go make some money allotting time to get your work done, allotting time to get your homework done, do your studies. Obviously, you want to have some fun. And, yeah, there's that type of fun that is drinking and going out, staying out late. But also there's plenty more avenues of fun, watching movies, going on hikes, playing sports, watching your favorite teams play sports, watching shows together, going out for coffee, going out for dinner, going on trips, going on car rides. You got to figure out how to go about your life and how to include everything that you want to include. Also, you got to do things that are required. You know, sometimes 
You don't want to do certain things, but you got to do them. Sometimes you got to do your laundry. Sometimes you got to do the dishes. Sometimes you have to do some chores around the house. Sometimes you have to do some errands and whatnot. And it's all about finding the ways that you can incorporate everything that you want into your life. But when it comes to someone who is struggling a little bit, all I would say is when it comes to moderation and balance, the last thing I'll say is just focus on the things that make you genuinely happy. Don't think about, oh, what makes my mom happy? What makes my brother happy? What makes my friend happy? What makes this person happy? It's not about what makes them happy. It's about you. What makes you happy? When I think about, ooh, what should I do? What should Billy Floyd do? I say to myself, what does Billy want to do? What would Billy do? Not what would they do. And I love so many people who do great things. And obviously sometimes I do things that my trusted friends do because I admire them and it works for them and I love trying new things. But when I don't know what to do, I always say, what would Billy do? And then I just do what I would do. So focus on the things that make you happy. You know, if you have to balance it out, you'll figure out a way. But have that moderation knowing I'm going to do this, 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 and that. And all of it's going to come together to make me a much happier person. So there's my take on moderation and balance. But now we're in the last couple minutes of our episode, Jenny. We're going to wrap up with number 12. So let's do it. Yep, let's do it. So what you were just talking about is self-care, balance, and moderation. So what we're going to do on 12 is we're going to remind each other, and that is family members, that is everyone that is going through this situation. We're trying to keep each other safe, and right now we're talking about our children. We're trying to create a safe environment for them. We're going to remind each other that this will take time. This does not happen overnight. We have to create new um, habitual uh, behavior such as exercise and being with family and creating hope. And we need to do that every day. And that's going to take balance and that's going to take moderation. So we, all of us, your entire family is going to benefit from knowing that this progress has its own pace. It's not something that we can push. It's not something we can plan. It happens with each of us individually, and we have to be aware that each of us has our different speed of progress and in the ways that we think and we behave, and that setbacks may happen. Uh, you know, it, it happens all the time. I mean, let's say you have a scab on your knee and it's scabbed over, it stopped bleeding, well, in a week, you bend your knee wrong or you wear your pants too tight, and the scab comes off, so it starts bleeding again. And that's a setback. Um, it, that, it, it's, it's a setback in the healing, but during the time it's covered with that scab, it's still healing. It's still healing. That scab is getting smaller. The skin is getting newer underneath that scab. That's going to happen. That's a natural progression. And we have to remind each other that this is going to take time. Uh, we're all part of the healing process, the whole family, everyone that is working together, working with these children, the child that may be at risk. 
And we need to encourage that person to be patient and um, self-forgiving. And that is so hard to do. People are so hard on themselves. And so, you know, put put a, a note on your mirror. Forgive yourself. Be gentle to yourself. Be patient with yourself. That is so hard to do for many, many people. Um, it It is still a little challenging for me, I'll say, but I have become much more patient, much more gentle on me, like you said. Uh, I've, I've been much more forgiving of myself. And, um, you know, these children that we're trying to save, They've been through a lot. Our whole family's been through a lot. But we need to care and support each other. And the more we do that on a regular basis, day to day, the more we are going to see the healing happen. That scab is going to eventually heal underneath of it and come off, and there's going to be brand-new pink skin under there. And that's the way your family is going to be. It's going to take time, but given a, a lot of these things that we have just talked about and a lot of things that you're going to come up with and your providers are going to help you with, it will happen, and you will all be more healthy for it. So the last thing I want to say is there's also online. There's a web. You can look for help there. You can call 988. It's not just for the person that's suicidal to call. 988 will also chat with you, help you through these things, and there's no cost to it. You just call. And they will help you. And that's a national number. So I encourage you to do that, to reach out to us, reach out to Billy when it comes to exercise <laughs> and, and anything else. But we are always here to help. Right, Billy? We sure are, Jenny. We are always, always, always here. And the last thing I want to say before we get off is you said it best. You have to just trust the process. You have to understand that nothing happens overnight. When you're locked into a fitness journey, building a brand, overcoming adversity, battling through to the next chapter, when it comes to embarking on an adventure, it's always going to take time. So if you're committed to getting healthier, whether that's mentally or physically or both, you have to understand that in one week, you're not going to feel like a brand new person. If you're going to the gym for one week, in a week, you're going to look exactly the same. The scale probably isn't going to change all too much. You have to just continue to show up. The gym is a great example of that because if you work out three days in a row, six days in a row, 12 days in a row, you know, 14 days, two weeks, you're really not going to look and feel – actually, you'll feel a little bit better. You'll feel good. But you're not going to look the way that you're wanting to look. Well, I want to get in better shape. You're not going to look any different. You'll feel a little bit better, but you still will be like, oh, the gym is hard. This is tough. But if you keep showing up, and now you're there for three months. Four months. You're there for eight months. Think about if you do it 
almost every day for eight months, then you will start to see the physical progress and the mental progress because you stayed with it for months and months. And that's the same thing with mental health recovery and coming back from any type of adversity. So last but not least, always remember that Rome wasn't built in one day and neither are you. So just continue to chip away day after day, brick by brick, lay the perfect brick down every single day. Don't try to build one big wall in one day because that thing will get absolutely destroyed in one blow. Where if you perfectly lay a brick every single day, you'll look back and over the course of a year, you'll have the hardest structured wall anyone has ever seen. So embrace the journey, embrace the process. That is what we do. Jenny, another phenomenal episode. This was episode six of Safe Talk. We are going to have a whole new topic next time. I'm looking forward to seeing what that's going to be all about. And everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. We love and appreciate you dearly, and we're looking forward to talking with you next time. Love you, Jenny. Thanks for everything. Yep, love you too, Billy, and everybody else. Have a great rest of your evening. Bye-bye. You've been listening to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast Safe Talk with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. Jenny Hunter is the founder of JR's Hunt for Life, a suicide prevention nonprofit movement offering hope and support globally. I'm Billy Floyd. I'm a podcast host, a media broadcaster, and most importantly, a positive influencer. Sounds of Soul Music is courtesy of Fearless Motivation. Find out more about JR's Hunt for Life at jrshuntforlife.org. If someone in your life is feeling suicidal, it's important to take immediate action. Here are some steps you can take to help. Number one, stay calm and listen. It's important to approach the situation with a calm demeanor. Listen to their concerns and validate their feelings. No judgments. Let them know you're there to help and support them. Number two, take it seriously. It's crucial to take any suicidal thoughts or feelings seriously. Don't downplay or dismiss their concerns, and don't promise confidentiality if you feel the person is in immediate danger. Number three, seek professional help. Encourage the person to seek help from a mental health professional like a therapist or a counselor. Offer to help them make an appointment and offer to accompany them to their first session. Be sure to follow through. Number four, call emergency services. If the person is in immediate danger, call 911. If it's safe for you, stay with the person until professionals are with them and continue to offer support. Number five, remove potential means. If you know the person has access to firearms, medications, or other potentially lethal objects, try to remove them from the person's immediate environment as long as it's safe for you to do so. If it is not safe for you to remove potential means, 
advise emergency services of the situation. Remember, suicidal thoughts and feelings are a sign of intense emotional pain and should be taken very seriously. By offering support and taking appropriate action, you can help someone in crisis get the help they need. Another thing to know is that 988, the National Crisis Line, which used to be 1-800-LIFELINE, cannot track your location unlike 911. Therefore, they cannot directly send an ambulance to you and must make several phone calls to do so. Additionally, when you call 988, they will connect you to a regional crisis center based on the area code from which you were calling. So it's essential to know the appropriate crisis line to call based on your location and the level of crisis. If someone actually did something to try to not be alive, call 911 or take them to the ER. If they are thinking about doing something, consider calling 988 first. They can help you decide if you need to take additional steps. Action and ideas are two different things. You can learn how to tell them apart and what to do about it, as well as find more information and support around suicide prevention by joining our private Facebook group at JR's Hunt for Life, a confidential safe space where there's no judgment and talk saves lives.